0: hello and welcome back to We Not Me the podcast where we explore how humans connect to get stuff done together. I'm Dan Hammond
1: and I am Pi Lee.
0: Hello Pi Lee and I thought I we could take a moment on this this uh, episode to just reflect this is our fifth fifth episode of uh, of We Not me and we're, we're still still here what um, what are your reflections so far? How's it going for you?
1: Well, Apple and Spotify have kicked us off yet, and, um, and apparently there's been a few downloads, so someone's actually listening out there. So I, I, I feel, feel extremely grateful for that fact. There is someone out there listening. There is someone. There's someone out there. No, I mean, it's, in all seriousness, I don't know whether you're meant to say this or not, but I am really, really enjoying this. It, it, it is quite an exciting, liberating experience. And apart from your dear self and, you know, I I, I was boring you to death on lots and lots of plane trips and train trips and car trips. And so it's really fun now to do this this way. But I just feel like we've got the opportunity to bring some really cool people that we know who know a lot about different aspects of how to get the most out of people. And they're really flourishing. Almost like on this platform, and they're just they're just thriving with different ideas, and, and that that's given me a, a real buzz.
0: It is good, isn't it? This sort of undercovered topic of teams, is, I think there's something. There's a lot of people have a lot of interest in it and a lot of experience that's lurking beneath. And for me, I think having listened to a lot of podcasts, it's really interesting to sort of really think about how how the experience is for listeners and the feedback we're getting is is. Is that people really like the interview format? So you're really diving deep and getting different angles on the teams.
1: We're not overly scripted. We're not trying to run to a call sheet here. It's it's pretty organic, and that that to me is something pretty special.
0: And and I think yeah, this subject is so underexplored. I think we've got loads to run. So uh, yeah, really looking forward to this next episode.
1: And in this next episode, we're talking to Todd Schroeder from Google Cloud, Dan. How the, did this happen? So, you know, Todd, Todd's a very senior guy and he's, he's busy. He's going to tell us that he's very busy. How, how did that happen then?
0: This came about when we were working with Todd talking about the squadifies that we'd done in, um, across Google cloud public sector, looking at the, looking at the team health there. And it was really interesting. Some of the comments that Todd made about clarity. Made us realise, wow, this is quite different inside Google. I think we sort of thought it'd be amazing to dive into that, the first of those conditions, and see what it's like in in really such a an amazing, such a fascinating company that I'm sure most of our listeners, well, like us really, don't have much of a clue what's going on in there. Uh, on a day-to-day basis so we thought right let's see if we can grab him and we can talk about this important topic
1: and at the same time are probably um interfacing with google probably about five to ten times every day as they're searching something so
0: exactly and i mean we're on google now google chrome um well
1: there we go little <laughs> platform plug. we use. so yeah exactly so great <laughs> so let's head over and let's hear from todd Todd, so lovely to have you on the show with us today. Just um, just tell us a little bit about who you are and um, and a bit about your background. Sure.
2: Thanks for having me, for your It's wonderful to be here. My name is Todd Schroeder. Uh, currently the Managing Director for Global Public Sector Sales and Strategy at Google Cloud. I have the wonderful privilege to work in the company with so many incredible individuals and serving a market that, as we've seen through the last year in particular, um, really have an, an awesome responsibility. With respect to everything we as citizens or constituents, you know, have at our disposal. So I appreciate the time today. We've
1: worked together and, um, and you are a wealth of knowledge. So we are especially excited to have this conversation with you. So I think it probably would be a good place to start to really understand what's it like at Google? Tell us what the, the context is like. It's, it's the most, the largest iconic tech company in the world. So this is this is lifting the lid to what's it like to work in there? We, we might have assumptions and beliefs, and they may be totally wrong. So this is probably a good way to sort of set the record straight. What's it like?
2: It's amazing to put it shortly, but it is actually, like you, an interesting thing to see it from the inside, from the outside. We have a consumer relationship with the company. We're used to so many of its properties and search and you know, Gmail, the notable billion user kind of platforms that are out there. From my own personal experience coming in and the way you're introduced to the company, it was almost a step back for me because I had the wrong impression. When they uh, introduced new employees to the company, which, you know, by the way, you know, they run these onboarding camps every week, have buildings built just for this, the experience and the education of what it feels like. And also to make sure you snap into the culture, they say it very plainly when you walk in the door. It's not a technology company. It's an innovation company. It's about new ideas. And that one singular kind of introduction just changed my thinking. And you can kind of see how lots and you know, a lot of employees coming in the door probably have that same sort of impression like you and so many people around the world have of the company. But it's fast moving. There's huge amounts of customers. It is innovative. And so, over my, my my tenure here now, what that means to me, we've heard phrases that this company has really coined that has helped them be innovative and hit their mission and like fulfill their promise. One of the things that that really you know sticks with me is agile. We've heard about being agile and introducing agile development methodologies in the world of technology for a long time, and that whole idea of don't worry about the end." just start iterating make incremental progress you will deviate you will find new paths you will do all these things and that's taken a long time to break away from waterfall based kind of methodologies into agile this company has done that for decades to to the point that it iterates in 30 minute increments so if i can relate to all the listeners and to yourselves <laughs> like my definition it's kind of wild right my first reaction was you walk in and you think you're a new employee. I'm learning all this stuff. It's an innovation company. I didn't think about it that way, but it all manifests itself when you show up on day five and you look at your calendar and you see people throwing blocks on your calendar, 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there, 30. There's no agenda. You don't know what you're walking into. You don't know if you're making a decision or you're going to solve a problem in that 30 minutes because they'll just grab another 30 minutes. But that rate of, of change is so viscerally different than anything I think I've ever experienced. But it is what has made the company an innovation company. There's hundreds of thousands of ideas floating around that make the technology that we all know something that no one else has done before. And so when you think about, you know, inside of this company, fast moving, highly innovative, Thousands and thousands and thousands of ideas and opportunities to serve this market differently compared to a traditional industry that had more of a regular. This is what we do. These are the expectations. There's like this, you know, cataclysm of whoa, this is different. You're asking me to accomplish something, but you're also telling me you don't know what that something is. Two weeks later, there is clarity to that, but you're already changing the game and thinking about doing it different and better. And so that to me, in terms of like, what does it feel like? It's agile. It's innovative. It's so fast because, you know, we're really trying to serve uh, markets and, and customers in ways that they've never really been served before. And so part of that isn't having the answer. It's actually recognizing that your job is to find the answer and to work with people, cross discipline, cross functions together quickly to show up and, and, and answer answer questions differently.
1: Well, that's completely blown the myth then that you're lying around on beanbags. Playing table tennis and he's and eating pizza. So, so
2: I'll throw that one out the window then. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> you haven't got time for that. There's a, there's a little, you know, I, sh- I should say there is a lot of that too. I don't want to, I don't want to do anyone a disservice. There is a, the other cultural aspect of when it is that onerous and there is so much going on. How do you take care of that other side? How do you create the relationships and the connective tissues, not just to the individuals around you, but to the company and the ethos? And that's where all of that does come in because when you are sharing a lunch, when you're sharing a a, a soccer game, when you're going to work out together, when you're doing like there is a whole different bond that comes from that, that actually it propels the ability to move that quickly. Because let's think about it, right? When you walk into an an organization with lots of employees, many times a day, I get on calls with people I've never met before. But you you lean on those other cultural elements to kind of draw some similarities and some relationship from because otherwise you can't you can't move that quickly without it.
0: It sounds incredibly exciting, but I imagine also quite challenging for the individuals there. And people have to raise to a raise themselves to a new level, I guess, in this Space where clarity is not probably what they've expected before. What is the impact on individuals? Can you talk a bit more about that? How do people sort of thrive but also cope in that that environment? If you like,
2: it's really a spectrum, and I think you can't define it as one kind of singular answer to be fair to everyone because if we're all people, we're all human, we're, we have different human emotions as we kind of deal with that, and some people need an amount of clarity to know how do I be successful in my role. And just because of who they are as an individual, they need different. They would define clarity differently, I guess. I would say you have other individuals who who really answer the call to that innovation. I, I thrive in ambiguity. We use that term here a lot. Right? I thrive in that kind of environment because I'm a creator. I'm a thinker. If you kind of give me guardrails, I'm going to be successful there. And so, in a very fast-moving organization, serving really. You know, every country around the world, for all intents and purposes, that have fundamentally different requirements and different, you know, geopolitical situations and different needs, that that further compounds the, the the challenge of what is clarity. How does working in an organization like this affect any one given individual? And there's a spectrum there. And so I think when I look at myself and kind of the teams I have in in different countries around the world, there are huge differences in what is needed in a fast-changing compliance and security world of, you know, the European market compared to a U.S. market that has connected tissue to cloud hyperscalers and known security classifications. These are kind of the dynamics in this, this crazy Rubik's Cube of, do I know my people? Do I know the markets that they're operating in? Do I know the the team and, and where the maturity curve of that team even is, because a lot of this is new, building new teams, building new cross-functional mechanisms. And so it really comes down to the individual and, and their immediate outside influences on that. To really know then, I can map these things together and know what is clarity for that given situation. If we think about it, a team
0: leader, because you're in that uh, sort of situation and you might have different ways of, of adapting and you have different strengths, I guess, you bring to bear. As a leader of a team, how do you bring the right level of clarity and the right kind of clarity to really drive this innovation culture? What does
2: that look like? It's daunting for one. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, it it is challenging. I I mean there's no like, oh I've got it figured out because it changes over time. I, I will say like, you know, because we're iterating so quickly If you think about a general organization and all sorts of different functional roles that make up that organization, sales operations, domain experts, and sellers, and all these different roles, each of those roles is on their own maturity curve. And so when I look across teams, I I really have to understand where are they at on the maturity curve of, of their team? Where is that market at? in terms of, is there an amount of clarity where we know we can provide direction and go be successful? Or is there ambiguity in that market where we know we're still innovating? We're still creating what is important for that market. And then where are the strengths of the individual? And so I have conversations with my team all the the time about the individuals. This is not a peanut butter spreading moment where we're gonna write down these five bullets and we're gonna send the email out and everybody's got what they need. It doesn't work that way. It comes down to the individual and kind of some of those outside influences because in 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 my experience, there is this balance between clarity sometimes can be you will not have answers to what you're seeking. And that clarity is about the the task at hand. Sometimes it's more of standardized clarity. Here is exactly what we're going to train you on, who your targets are, who you need to work with, what to say. And so there's always this kind of balance of standardized clarity, more of that assembly line mentality, which many people in these markets come from those companies. There was something the company did. They trained everyone on it. They went and did it. And then there's that other more autonomous amount of clarity. right? And I think of like the autonomy in terms of if I can help people understand what it's going to feel like for the weeks or months ahead then I'm preparing them to not get something out of balance where they don't know what to do. And so there are many teams that are on those journeys where I'd spend a lot more time explaining the points of friction, what is unknown, what we're still trying to figure out, because that allows them kind of that box of, okay, I'm at least clear that I can't expect answers to some of these questions. And that, that, that actually, you know, you can see a little bit of relief wash over people because sometimes we don't communicate what it's going to feel like. And it's going to feel frustrating sometimes. It's going to feel like there aren't answers. It's like you're walking into the unknown. But that's okay. And the pandemic actually taught us a little bit of this. When things happened and governments and organizations, countries shut down. There was so much unknown and our jobs were to support these customers. And knowing what we were trying to do, that was a large part learning on my on my part in, in particular. It's like, you can't offer answers to questions that you just don't have answers for yet. And it was amazing to see the results when the challenge and the job kind of almost shifted. The job wasn't knowing what to do. The job was going and finding out what to do. Slight distinction, but huge impact in terms of, okay, I can wrap my head around that and I know what to expect and how it's going to feel to me as an individual. So that where I think this all kind of goes is you want to protect that, that mental wellness when organizations like this, where you have people on that spectrum of, I need clear directions where I'm fine being a creator and going and finding it out. You're opening up a risk of mental wellness, an overall well-being challenge given everyone else's more personal experiences that are also affecting them. And so that's that I think is why this is so so critically important to really understand who the individual's at, which way they orient, so you can kind of give them enough to feel good about what's being produced. And if what's being produced is finding out even the question that needs to be asked. They should feel good about that. And that's enough clarity, at least for the time being, because I promise you, four weeks from now, we're going to be on that. And maybe we have the answers. Probably even 30 minutes, Todd. There you go, 30 minutes.
1: <laughs> it's interesting because it, it, it. I'm wondering if there's sometimes a bit of a dynamic tension between two skill sets. You paint this picture of this incredible innovation organization and incredibly smart people in it who've got. High levels of expertise. And then you've got this leadership challenge, which is to lead teams, which is a very different thing. And you're sometimes triggered into that expertise role as a leader by telling people the answers, whereas it's in fact, it's a different, different set of skills. Do you see that? Do you see that as a challenge at speed? So sometimes we can give ourselves the excuse that we're not giving clarity because. We're also incredibly innovative and and smart, and we don't need it and it becomes an excuse. I know there's a bit of a challenge in there, but do you see that
2: I think the speed part of it and and to be honest, the innovation part of it really challenges that because to your point, I always ask myself am i am I actually answering the call here? Am I giving what's needed? why can't I be really, really clear down to the nth degree and I I must say, when I then look at not just our teams, but the the customers, the markets that we serve, the the amount of change that has happened in these markets with respect to cybersecurity, security compliance regimes, those things are changing on our on our employees, too. So they're like, you know, by by default, we can't answer that because we're still trying to figure that out that impacts my ability to say, hey, here's what we need to go do. And so then it's more about rallying people around really two things. It's like, can we go help be innovative, but can I offer them things that are really clear? Because there are always things that we can say and do that provide an amount of clarity. But it really comes down to the task at hand. But the speed part of it is very real. In a... Company like this, innovation that moves very quickly. But what we develop in terms of technology moves very quickly too. Who we're partnering with, how we're doing it, what technology we have to offer—that moves very, very quickly too. And so, it's it's you know, I oftentimes find myself talking about what we're working on, what's coming closer, and what's important now. And again, it comes down to like, what can I expect as 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 an employee here. And the better we can do it by kind of talking through like the, the OODA loops or the iteration cycles, if you will, of, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of unknown. There's some that's a little bit more known than there is stuff that is known. And if we can do that better, then we're at least getting people again, kind of back on that spectrum. Some people will play with that unknown and go do amazing things. And frankly, that's where a lot of our innovation comes from. It's those types of people aligned to the way unknown. But there are other people that really, really gravitate towards that. I need to have them know. And so I think my challenge is we have hundreds of leaders here too. So it's not just the individuals, it's the how do you work with other leaders and give the visibility and the awareness of something that's moving so quickly. I could sit here and write email updates all day long. And so that becomes a, a challenge too, because you're talking about huge organizations, and lots of leaders that affect lots of their teams and sharing that information. So everyone is on the same page around the globe is, is it, that is, that's where the speed kind of innovation and scale aspects all kind of come together in terms of like, there's a lot of information to communicate consistently just so that people can actually provide the right amount of clarity to any one individual.
1: And and it it must take time this, someone who comes in new who's called a noogler i always love that one how long do you think it takes before a noogler gets to become a googler and actually gets to understand this context and how to grapple with with
2: clarity at this speed it it takes you know nine to twelve months right not 30 minutes it's not 30 minutes and it (laughs) it is interesting it's like these nooglers walk in the door same experience they see their calendars all of a sudden they're like whoa I've never felt anything like this before. And so they, you know, you go through it and it, it's, it's almost by design too. we do what we can in terms of onboarding and the initial trainings and with the buddy system and try to do the right introductions. But it is amazing that the, the company thrives on just the interpersonal connections. And so you start to meet people immediately, which interestingly enough, adds a, a bit of a challenge when it comes to clarity. Should, can I say no to these meetings? Is this worth my time? Is this going to help me do my job? That gets really hard when, when people are on your calendar all of a sudden, asking for your 30 minutes. When you're going through your own journey of what is important, what am I supposed to be doing here? And so that's something we work on a lot as well. It's like communicating. If we can't solve that unknown, somewhat known and known and provide clarity to the individual, how can they manage their time? How can they get to this this idea of time on target? I know what's worth spending my time on today because I have the clarity and sense of purpose to know that it is versus I really can't make that decision. So I'm going to take the meeting anyhow, which then you get into a little bit of problem because I've got, I'm so overwhelmed and overburdened with my calendar and all these things, it gets hard to shed. And so we have a lot of conversations with people coming in the door. The number one kind of message I always offer, and this was offered to me long ago, is this is one of those places where it's most important you decide what you're not going to do. And that's an important thing because it gives people a little bit of a check to ask themselves. And we still, even with Googlers who have been here for a while, we have the conversation. Are you prioritizing your time effectively? Are you saying no to people? talking about being rude and not taking the meeting and not helping others. But you've got to make really, really good choices. Otherwise, you become unclear again. And we have to pull you back to that sense of clarity. It, it sounds like everyone is making many, many decisions all the
0: time. That 30-minute cadence you're talking about is probably even split down. And, and also in an innovative environment, th- These there's a imagine there's a lot of times when you're going to get that wrong. How, what impact does that have? Just the sheer amount of uncertainty is going to lead people to be spending some time thinking that didn't go well, or I invested quite a bit of time in that. And actually, we moved off that project or whatever. Mm-hmm. How, how do you cope with that, uh, that in the
2: organization? Bias to action. You have to make decisions. And this is a culture innovation is built upon getting things wrong. If we don't get things wrong quicker, we'll never get it right. And so this is one of those environments that actually thrives on that agile, innovative, move quickly, make decisions, because it's okay. It's okay to get it wrong. We're going to iterate quick enough. And if we get it wrong in the next 30 minutes, we'll solve it 30 minutes after that. We'll get it right. And I say that, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, but there, there is some truth to that. And I think we've probably all worked at places where it's like, don't get it wrong. Your entire brand, your brand is on the table. And, and that's what drives this, like, long-term kind of waterfall mentality. Well, like, I'm I'm so risk-averse now that I can't make a decision, that I, I'm, I'm holding out on providing clarity because I'm worried about, you know, providing the wrong direction. It's strange, the clarity piece, because sometimes you provide clarity and you, you can get it wrong. And then you got to go back to the same team and say, hey, not plan A, plan B. And so that, that is, that's a mind, that's a mindset thing. So it does challenge clarity and direction and like that, that individual's sense of, I know what I need to do. Um, but that comes with the turf of working in a fast moving, innovative place. It challenges, I'd say the best leaders in terms of decisiveness though, because we're making decisions quick. And so those that are on the fence and, and maybe come from cultures where it was not okay to be wrong takes a little bit of getting used to you step out on the ledge there's a lot of supportive conversations we talk about our principles and values in terms of bias to action to give top cover and, and support to leaders at all levels to say make decisions support your teams tell people when you get it wrong just go back and correct it.
1: It's like one of those squadify questions you know, learn by mistakes and we're okay to talk about that and it's interesting because there is a high level of perfection. But I wanted to go back to something you talked about wellness and, and I'm thinking about this 30 minutes, ever changing, innovative, high paced culture. We're still human beings. We haven't necessarily changed our hard wiring to deal with that. And we could be attracted to that. And I'm, there's going to be a certain type of person that's going to be really attracted to that type of organization for
2: a while, for a
1: while. Exactly. We've got post pandemic, we've got. These increasing and worrying levels of burnout, workplace loneliness, mental health issues. So how does that work? Because you could start to if you have a series of things that don't work out, you could start to doubt yourself. And that's horrible when that seed of doubt come comes into your brain. How are you thinking about wellness and, and how to ensure that people stay balanced? and able to keep perspective in a, in an environment that will always be demanding more of them?
2: It's a great question. And I think that's, that is why, you know, getting to a place of clarity, regardless of how you define it, is so important. It is fundamentally not necessarily about the outcome, the business result. It's about the enjoyment of that person working here. We talk a lot about this being the place you want to work. I have fun doing what I do. I know what I need to do and I'm being successful at what I'm doing. But I will say in my experience, even at my time here, there is, you know, more sense of ownership at knowing it's a very flat company, very flat. You'll end up on calls. Your three layers of management above you are not on the call. It's just you and someone else. It happens all the time. And so there's a good part of that and then there's a bad part of that so i say as, as as leaders here at every level of the organization it's super important to understand what you should involve others in that is being iterated on and what you should not there's an orientation towards get everybody on the call let's just hash it out but that comes at the at at, at some mental strain some people don't do well with that some people would get worried at what we don't know about And so you've really got to make thoughtful decisions about who do you involve at what iteration of something being worked on versus who are you waiting to involve before it has the right amount of clarity for that team or for that individual. And that's, that again comes back to, do you know your people? Do you know who is on your team and where they are at on this spectrum of thriving and ambiguity versus just wanting the clarity? There's no wrong door to go in in terms of that spectrum there is no like because you will be successful regardless but if your management manager or entire chain approach you the wrong way that has an impact on what you are uh doing as as an as an individual compounding that with the pandemic and what we have going on in our social lives some may be affected by a number of different things We've seen people take on more work in their personal lives than ever before. And if you kind of think about, I'm unclear and overwhelmed with what I need to do in my professional world, compounded with I have this this other weight on my shoulders from this, this new world we live in, that's a huge risk. And so like the pandemic has given us an excuse to talk about this, but this is this has existed in this environment for decades. It's more and more and more virtually. I mean, let's admit it. Being on video calls every 30 minutes for 10 hours a day is exhausting. And it's not actually work. Work is work gets done when you're working, not when you're just talking to folks. And so, again, it comes back to, are you prioritizing your time the right way? can you prioritize your time the right way? Because you've been provided the clarity. I'm trying to find the question to be asked, or I know how to answer the problem. It could be anywhere on that spectrum, given team and function. But those are really, really important pieces to provide you know the right amount of direction for engagement of those teams, because that allows them to shed the time away from Stuff that isn't adding value. It's not keeping them on target to what matters most for them, their role, the company, the business, whatever it may be. Um, And I would argue that that has more of an exponential impact on their overall wellness because they can feel good about their contributions. I'll tell you just a quick story. Through the pandemic, we were doing a lot of work with, with governments around the world for tracing and testing and all these sorts of things. And I had a number of, of, of team members come back and they were frustrated and they were down. I mean, we were working hard. This was, you know, early pandemic. It was high stress, high pressure. And they were so frustrated because they didn't have this piece and that that piece. And you could see them exhaustion, uh, child care duties. I, I, I'm not getting support from these other teams that had other priorities going on. And just... Just being able to say to them, you have done 10 times more than what was ever expected of you. The relief washed over their faces. And I, I use that story just because that was a learning, you know, experience for myself. I never des- 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 decided or communicated what the end result should be, but they on their own had expectations of themselves. That far exceeded the problem statement, the need, and so sometimes if we're not kind of managing that, these are such passionate people. They're innovators. They they do amazing things, but we need to ratchet down what's good enough so they feel good about it. And I don't say that to hold anyone back or not do things, but but at the risk of you know this kind of idea of wellness, if you if you can't point to feeling good about what you're doing and clearly understanding from those you work around that that is amazing then of course we're setting people up for it's never going to be good enough i always have to work more i always have to take more meetings i'm now balancing this personal professional world and like that that leads the race to the bottom
1: i think that's the challenge isn't it when you're inside this uber innovation system it it makes humans want to be superhumans and we can't be superhumans so we have to find a way to be able to use our humanness to maximize what we all bring i mean that that's the essence of teamwork isn't it as well is that although we're working as individuals that's what brings
2: out the magic together and that's exactly right and and you know innovation is about celebrating every milestone and recognizing that every step along the journey is good and sometimes we forget that we're waiting for it to be done. But in an, in an innovation company, a fast-moving one of that, it's actually never done. And so that's a mindset. Can we separate ourselves from the long-term objective? What we know is possible, and really take joy in every step along the way, and recognizing everyone's e- efforts. And like, it's just that that you know, I kind of come back to this: What's it going to feel like? It's going to feel like you're not moving fast enough. It's going to feel like you're not getting everything done. Continuously look in the rearview mirror and recognize all the work that you have. It's so easy to forget where we've come from, and I think that that you know, in, in some weird way, Pia, you asked the question earlier. Like, do we give ourselves excuses? Not and you know, not providing clarity. It's like in some way, when I look at those situations, I say, no, clarity is just taking the next one step. And and sometimes that's good enough because that balances out those personal professional worlds and gives them the opportunity to feel like their contributions are, are, are as big as they actually are.
1: I saw a great graphic one saying that the greater pressure that you're under, you reduce sort of metrically instead of seeing things as a kilometre or a metre, you bring it down to a centimetre. And then a millimeter and it's a millimeter at a time. So because that helps your brain to go, I am making progress, but, but don't see it. <laughs> don't try and futureize because that's going to make it much more stressful trying to do that.
2: It's heartwarming to see and have the opportunity to work with people that care that much. That like on one hand, they forget all that they have done, the, the things they have done that have, that have touched human lives around the world. So it's amazing to see them always looking for more. But as a leader in the organization, it's also the biggest risk. That kind of mentality will only lead to burnout. It will only lead to other complications if you're not giving people that opportunity to really, really feel good about every step along the way. And so it's a constant, it's a constant balance. And the faster it moves, the harder that balance gets.
0: Yeah, it's kind of sense that that I've seen it in fast-moving organisations where you don't pause to to recognise what you've done. You move on to the next thing, and that is itself, a as you say, a, a point of stress. Todd, we have extracted so much richness from you today about this, and we've heard so much about this environment. It seems slightly unfair to ask you to um, boil it down to a couple of takeaways. What would you say for someone who either wants to create? Uh, an innovative uh, culture like this fast moving one, but um, any team leader or any team that wants to build cl- clarity at speed what what would be your your takeaways
2: one of the big ones for me is is really just understanding you know the, the individuals right and if if you 're looking to build a you know an innovative fast moving culture, you have to operate that way. And, and sometimes that means you don't have the answer and you set an awe inspiring outcome or no outcome at all. When you think about it, like we, ha- we didn't set an outcome of what we wanted to do relative to supporting governments during the pandemic. We didn't know that was the innovative challenge to the entire organization. And through that, when I come back to know the individuals and kind of, are they creators or are they more of the doers? Understanding those folks, I think you get different things because you can have creators go create, innovate, iterate, and solve problems that you didn't even know existed. Those people need support from doers. There's an amount of clarity and and organizational power that you can get from harnessing those two types of individuals amongst the same team because those creators are only going to create, frankly, they don't want to do some things, but they're going to need support. And that's where that connective tissue comes from. It also helps you kind of manage uh, leadership styles, clarity styles, and start to match up your approach to different types of, of profiles of individuals to, to harness them both. But if we kind of treat them all as one or the other, that's the miss.
0: I think that's reinforced the theme I've heard throughout. It is about this sort of, in a way, splitting everything down. You talked about those 30-minute meetings and you're individualizing the way you deal with leaders as well. So it's a sort of a, a really making, it's the fragmentation in a way of the granularity that's really interesting approach and a good good visualization a strong point on which to end so todd thank you so much for sharing a, a little bit of a little bit of this amazing life in google that's changing the lives for all of us across the planet thank you so much for joining us on we not me today
1: that was quite amazing watching todd almost lose himself you know, in the, in the passion and the way that he articulated the, the culture at, at Google, it was, it was extraordinary. Actually, I, I'm really quite, I'm quite moved both listening to him and having the privilege to see him as well. So, you know, that it, he, he, he gave us an extraordinary insight into the innovation culture inside one of the most iconic organizations in the world.
0: It's quite moving, moving, actually, in the way that he, yeah, as you say, I think that's a good way of putting it. He sort of lost himself and um, really spoke from the heart. And I really just picking up that point about the innovation culture. It was interesting to me that he differentiated that from tech and that the culture is quite different and that that has a real impact on on the way teams are operating.
1: It's a difference between the two. And you could tell the Pride and the passion around that innovation culture, but then also, I guess, the accountability to deliver against that. So really got introduced to that 30 minute increments, you know, that's your time and you've really got to put your mind to it and you've got to prioritize. And so from a clarity perspective, uh, you've got to be able to really, you're on a moving target, but you've got to, you've got to size up the opportunity quickly. So that you can make the right decisions around it. Not that there's not a lot of time for angst or or deliberating, is there? No. And he he
0: crystallised something for me that I, I've worked with teams on, but he said it so so well that sometimes clarity is about saying we don't know, and so your your role is to go and find out, or to even ask the right question, or find the question. So, you know, I think a lot of people get a lot of teams I've seen actually getting stuck in these fast moving environments. They, we can't set a goal because we don't know what's going to happen or we don't know. Okay, your clarity is that you don't know. So that that was really powerful and actually really useful for unsticking teams, I think.
1: Yeah. And I think sometimes we can rely heavily and over-rely on the leader to provide that level of clarity without being proactive in ways to to try and determine what that clarity may be yourself so it it redefines actually for me hearing todd the relationship to both time and to clarity we're stuck sometimes aren't we in what we think are 60 minute meetings and i don't know where that came from but that that seems to that seems to be the the norm whereas it doesn't have to be so challenge that challenge that status quo and 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 challenge the status quo relationship about clarity what clarity do I need now? What enables me?
0: Before the pandemic, I was on a one-man um, mission to, to get rid of 60-minute meetings because I, I, people were talking about back-to-backs and they were rolling into the next meeting unprepared and exhausted. So I was trying to always have 45-minute meetings, but yeah, pretty much failed. But I think during the pandemic, actually, the 30-minute meeting has sort of landed as a, as a, as a thing. but Google's clearly made it into an art form.
1: Yeah, I agree. And um, well, that's another, another one of your great successes of influence. Yeah, exactly. I think so-
0: I'll chalk that up to a win. I had to well, implement well a pandemic to make it happen. But <laughs> I think your point is, is is well made as well about this relationship to time. And the the clarity is for the person and for the team. So it's quite an individual thing. So the way that Todd talked about how granular you need to be, it's different at different times for different people at different tasks. And it takes the leader time to create that clarity. It's not a I sent them an email or it's not a broadcast it really is a real focus
1: so I think loads to digest there and as I say I think that was quite a privilege to get that insight and and to feel that level of of passion and authenticity so who how do do we have next week then
0: well, next week, I'm really looking forward to because we have an old, well, I won't say an old friend, an old colleague and a friend. Um, Lucy Halvinets, who
1: is she old? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm trying to avoid saying that. Well, she's younger than both of us, but she is a super seasoned team leader. She has been dropped into environments everywhere around the world, trying to get stuff done in really tricky environments I would say challenging environments that she hasn't seen before so I think we can learn a lot from Lucy really looking forward to it so that's it for this episode you can find show notes and resources at squadify.net just click on the We Not Me podcast link if you have enjoyed the show we very much hope you have please share the love and recommend it to your friends Uh, We Not Me is produced by Mark Stedman of Origin thank you so much for listening to the show it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me